Welcome back to the Growing Lean podcast, sponsored by Lean Discovery Group. This is your host, Dylan Burke, also known as Deej. I'm very happy to be here with Mike Creel, CEO and founder of Launch Workplaces. Welcome, Mike. Dylan, how are you today? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Super, thank you. Awesome. So to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your history and background and how you ended up where you are today? Yeah, no problem. Um, I was I was working in a uh, very local commercial real estate business, uh, family owned business, uh, local to, to D.C. Um, and I had been there a number of years and the family was in. They had some office real estate, some retail. They had some kind of for fun real estate, some marinas and golf courses. And I had been there probably 12 or 15 years um, when we ran into an issue trying to lease uh, some office space that traditionally uh, we never had any trouble with. A, a really great building and a really great location. And we had 16,000 square feet of space that we had given some tours on and we hadn't won uh, the deals, which was unusual. So come to find out, uh, there was a, a large institutional owner, right? An institutional owner in office real estate owns you know, hundreds of assets. Um, we only owned about six. And basically what they were doing, were saying, whatever deal this company gives you, we'll take a dollar a foot off that deal if you come here. And, you know, every dollar counts. And, and we lost a couple deals that way. And we found out about it. And in our company, we said, well, okay, what are we going to do? Um, because we don't, we don't have the portfolio that can carry just arbitrary discounts on rent. So, can we be more strategic or can we adapt? And what I suggested at the time was instead of leasing an entire floor of 16,000 feet, maybe we should do it an office at a time. And this was 2013. So um, the kind of co-working or flexible use or whatever uh, the buzzword is today, you know, it was coming back. Uh, WeWork was on the scene and, and starting to make some noise. This was early in their trajectory. Um, so the other executives in the company said, okay, like, what does that look like? And I said, well, I'm not sure. Um, so I said, well, try to figure out a business plan and come back. So I did. And uh, we opened the first launch workplaces at the end of 2014 in our own building. Uh, really to solve our own problem was trying to right, fight or, or compete or survive against some of these institutional uh, owners that had, you know, deeper pockets, longer runway than we had with such a small portfolio. So that's initially how Launch was born and why it was born. And then it progressed um, launch did pretty well. We opened them up in a couple more buildings that we owned. And then friends of ours 
in the industry started to ask me lots of questions. Yeah, how do you do this? Is it successful? Um, kind of nonstop. And in 2018, um, we had a, a group that we knew who said, look, come over to my building and set one of these things up for us. Um, and, you know, write an agreement, see what how it would work and what would, you know, what would it take for you to come do this for us? Um, so we figured that out. And I like to say we kind of got pulled into this third party management of flexible space. Um, it was originally not our intent to go to market and do that. Um, and it certainly was not our intent to go lease space, try to create an arbitrage situation and, and you know, make money. Um, all the deals we've ever done on third party management, um, we do partnerships with our owners. Um, we, we've never signed a lease. We've never approached it that way. We've always approached it as let's be partners with the building owners. Um, been in the industry a long time. We understand the pain points that building owners go through. And we've kind of, you know, trotted along through COVID. And uh, today we've got nine locations open, uh, D.C., Maryland, and Ohio. And, you know, looking to carefully continue to grow our portfolio. Okay, amazing. I love that. Um, I come from a real estate background. I was a residential agent and my family were um, commercial and residential developers. So I, I love real estate. I love talking about it. And I've actually seen this model come. So I'm from South Africa in Cape Town. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this model come out recently. Um, and it's booming. It's such a great concept. Um, and I, I was about to ask you, like, do you guys buy the spaces? But no, you lease them and you bank on the arbitrage. And Well, no, we don't. I, we don't lease the space. That's you don't. The, we do not. So um like all the big companies you know the we works and all them right they would go lease beautiful space for 60 dollars a foot and then throw 20 dollars a foot on top of that to run it so then they would try to go make a hundred dollars a foot to pay their expenses and make a profit what we do um we partner with the owner so the owner uh builds out the space we manage it um, for a fee, we usually take a percentage of the gross income. Um, and then the owner keeps all the net income of the operating business. So it's very similar, uh, kind of like a Marriott hotel where um, kind of Marriott comes, puts their flag on it and operates it for you and gives you um, the profits of it. So um, yeah, just to, we, we have no long-term liabilities, no leases. Um, we just, we didn't honestly we didn't have the capital when we started this to go sign long-term leases and you know thank god we didn't because it's really been the, the demise of uh, a lot of the co-working operators trying to survive covid and um you know now the work from anywhere um as that's beginning to take more shape um it's helping some people but um leases to me are in, in this world uh, that we work in are taboo. So uh, I, I will not sign a lease. Amazing. I love that. So the risk to you guys is actually really low. So you just, you get it paid is. on a per square foot rental basis. We do of. the risk. Yeah. The risk for us is low. Um, we, 
only do deals that we 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 do spend a tremendous amount of time underwriting deals. Um, I, I usually once a year I'll go back and reflect on all the opportunities that we've seen. Ninety five percent of them are inbound to us, and we only say yes to about six percent of the opportunities that come to us. So, right, we're looking for number one. We're looking for a good owner. Priority one, two, and three, right? Uh, do they understand flex? Do they understand its importance in, especially today, post-COVID? Um, do they have a space that has been given back or is coming back that is, you know, we can put our brand in there for a reasonable amount of money? Um, something really significant that we do, we don't go in and demand a gut and rebuild for, you know, $180. Um, we're really good. Uh, if an owner says, Hey, I got 20,000 feet came back. Um, you know, this is kind of what it looks like. Um, we're really good at saying, all right, there's no reason to rip all these walls out and rebuild them one foot left or one foot right. Um, so our build out costs are a fraction of some of these higher end premium brands that go in and say, this is our model, right? Tear it all out, put this in. This is the same model we use everywhere. And this is the way it has to be. Uh, we are contrarian to all of that. Um, capital is a really scarce resource right now uh, in the office world. And and we're, we're, we're very cautious with uh, spending uh, other people's money. And we're very good at providing a nice return for what they've spent. Amazing. Um, and are most of your clients small and startup businesses, or does it vary tremendously? It, it does. Um, where we do best, uh, we most of our assets are in the suburbs. Uh, that's where we were created, and just because that's where we needed, you know, the buildings that um, the first building we needed to be in was in the suburbs. So that's where we learned how to do this. And um, the suburbs are very different than the urban centers, um, just a different clientele. So we have a lot of um, repeat entrepreneurs that are uh, successful and, and can afford to live in the suburbs of the cities. Um, we have a lot of startups. We have a lot of solopreneurs, contractors, um, small to medium businesses. And um, we're just starting to see now with the work from anywhere and the return to work, uh, enterprise clients, you know, Fortune 1000s, 500s are just starting to move towards, hey, you know what? We had um, we had a 100,000 square foot lease in town. We let it expire. And now we're trying to find some satellite suburban offices where our staff can come use it, uh, you know, on a much smaller scale. Um, and that has that's been popular the last probably four months. Hundred percent. I was actually just about to ask how you guys adapted to the pandemic and lockdown because a lot of companies realize that they don't have to lease these massive offices because people are more than competent to do their work at home um, and remotely, and they just need right. a small little satellite office to have like a base and that type of thing. So, yes. did you notice a huge shift um, during the pandemic, or I mean? after the lockdown and stuff when they started opening things up again. Yeah, we did. Uh, it's funny. Um, there were kind of spikes in demand 
there was a stretch in 2021. I, I can't remember what month it started. It's like June or July of 2021. And we sold an office a day for like five months straight. So it was that first kind of, right? The pandemic was a, a really deep bottom. Um, and then there was some hope that it was over. And like, I think people were just, you know, done working from home every day or being home every day. And we had a huge rush of people come back. Um, now what we see, uh, uh, companies are trying to be more strategic, right? Leases are expiring or they're trying to negotiate. I have 50,000 feet. I don't need it. I only want 15,000 feet in this, um, kind of hub and spoke models or, uh, there's a lot of talk in our industry, right? The office is not a place now. The office is a network where, for instance, if you are a member at launch, you can go to any launch location and work anytime. So, you know, we're in we're in D.C., we're in the suburbs of D.C., uh, whatever's convenient for you. So if you need to host a meeting in one of the suburbs, it's no problem. If you need to go downtown to visit a client, it's no problem. Um and that is starting to get a, a lot of traction in our industry. Hundred percent. I love this model so much. I've I've admired it because um, I've seen it come to life here, and it's it's such a great business model. Um, what metrics do you use, obviously besides revenue, to measure the success of your business? Occupancy is a big thing in our business. Um, it, our industry is young enough where there really is not a set of standards uh, like RevPAR for hotels or stuff like that. Um, so the way people measure occupancy varies from company to company, but a lot of people like to report on, you know, if I'm 100% is full, where do I stand? So that's um, that gets talked about quite a bit. Um, and then a lot of times people talk about kind of the length of the term of the agreements that they have. Um, overwhelming majority of the folks that we do business with sign 12 month agreements at a minimum, uh, which a lot of people assume they would sign a month to month deals um, just isn't the case. So, uh, you know, obviously revenue and, and expenses and net income, they're important to every business, but I would say behind that, this occupancy is definitely a very popular number. 100%. And are there any metrics that you are looking to improve? Oh, who isn't, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I'd like EBITDA to be better. I'd like cash flow to continue to grow. Uh, you know, I'd like occupancy uh, to grow. Uh, we measure how many days uh, people are in our sales cycle. If I could shorten that by a day. Uh, yeah, I mean, I go through... You know, uh, we have a team meeting uh, on Zoom with our directors once a week to talk about leads and activity and, and, and you know, sales tactics and how do we present better and how do we shorten a deal? Um, you know, it's kind of the, you know, atomic habits. Right? Did we get 1% better today? And I try to ex explain to people the impact of if you sold one more thing, uh, mail and address client, a, a co-working desk, a private office. If you sold one more thing a month, 
what's the compounding positive effect on our business? Uh, and it's 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 fun to see their face. We're like, okay, well, what's a sixty nine dollar mail and you know post office client? Well, they're in the door, right? It's some income. It's someone who has exposure to what we do. It's a potential lead to grow into a co-working desk or another office. And we go back and track how many people have we converted from an entry level to something else and what tactics did we use uh, to allow that? So um, we're a very process-driven organization. Uh, I think you have to be to be efficient. Um, in our world, an awful lot of companies chased number of locations as a huge number to talk about. And I, I guess I should throw that in with uh, the occupancy number. People love to tell you, oh, I got 27 locations or 140 or whatever. Um, that stuff is not as important anymore as the fundamental business principles uh, and I think you know, it's to our advantage because we've always focused on EBITDA and cash flow and, and just basic business sense. Uh, we never chased locations. And you know, there's some operators in our industry trying to open a location a day, uh, literally. Um, that's the, one of their goals. They want to open a location a day for the year of 2023. Um that's crazy. I, I don't know how. Um, well, I know how, but the repercussions of that are, you know, you, you know what's going to happen to a fair number of those. They're not going to work out because you're only chasing locations. Um, just not sound business principles. Yeah, exactly. And where do you see the industry heading? Because I think... Not everyone's adapted and fully understood the shift in how we operate after the pandemic. Um, so where do you see the industry heading in the next couple of years as more and more businesses start understanding the need to scale down their premises? Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, all my friends in the industry, we, you know, we pontificate on this all the time. Um, there's a lot of things happening. Um so, you know, start with some of the companies that are demanding people return to the office, um, right? We, we're all suspect to that um, because the reason people used to build centers, uh, headquarters in the CBDs was that's where the talent was. Well, your talent is distributed all over the place. So you don't need to have 100,000 square feet on M Street in Washington, D.C. There's talented people everywhere. And one of the things we think is going to happen is as you threaten these people, come back to the office or you don't work here anymore. Um, if I'm a talented individual, whatever industry I'm in, I'm sure there's a competitor that's saying, I don't care where you work, right? If you're a, an engineer and company A says you got to go to D.C. every day and company B says you can stay home or work in one of the satellite offices on a flexible basis. Right. You've just improved my life exponentially because you've killed my commute. So I think you'll see people 
Some people are going to dig in and say, I just leased this 100,000 square feet in 2019. And, and, you know, darn it, I want everybody in here so I can see you because, you know, productivity is dropping. I don't buy it. I think it's ego. Um, the future is flexible. The future is adaptation. The future is distributed workforces with hub and spoke models. Um, the future is office is a network, not a place. And it's going to be on the owners of these businesses to create a compelling reason for us to get together, right? So a lot of people talk about, oh, you can't, you know, the culture of the company doesn't distribute well when you all work everywhere. Well, make us go somewhere, but make it convenient to us and have it be a, a purposeful day. So let us go somewhere nice. Let us, uh, you know, network with each other, let us get our work done and let us go home. Um, so uh, I, I think there's a it's a seismic shift that was happening pre-COVID uh, when flexible was really only about 3% of office. Uh, if you read articles now uh, since COVID, um, you know, there's a lot of very bright people saying office could become 30% flexible in the next seven years. So a tenfold increase in the quantity of, of availability of what we do is mind-numbing. Um, even if it's half of that, that's a very, very successful, very strong growth model for flexible. And I, if, if you don't offer any flexibility as a building owner or an employer, you're, you're a commodity and you're not going to survive very long. I 100% agree. And I can speak to that because I recently um, started a new position at this company and I had a choice between two companies. One was 15 kilometers away from me, a five minute drive, but in office um, with no hybrid working. And this one was thousands of miles away in Virginia, but it was completely remote. Um, and the pay was similar, but I chose this one in Virginia because I could work remote and I feel more productive at home. I feel more comfortable at home. I can wear slippers. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of businesses are going to start realizing that the hard way with people shifting to hybrid and remote work. Um, and I, I foresee your business doing extremely well in the next five, 10 years. And I'm excited for you. It's awesome. Thank you very much. Um, like, I hope I'm half right. And I, I, a lot of people will be very happy. Yeah, exactly. I, th I think you're on the right track for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we are a bit over time. I got lost. I got lost track of the time there. <laughs> but what advice would you give to other business owners looking to succeed in your industry? Well, it's funny. Uh, uh, I'm a member of the board of a group called the Global Workspace Association. And we just had our annual conference in D.C. last week. Uh, over 300 attendees. Uh, literally people from all over the globe. And uh, I was fortunate to host a panel, the last panel of the meeting of the of four days of meetings and presentations. And, and it, you know, what advice would you give uh, for folks in our business? Um, only my opinion, um, don't chase locations just to say, I added 10 locations this year. Really? understand how to underwrite a, a potential deal absolutely make sure 
everybody in the deal can win. Um, right. So doing a lease uh, and, and doing really well on your lease, the owner only makes what the lease is. And that's sort of a win. Um, but it's more of a win for you. Um, right. Doing a managed agreement where you're partners with an owner, where you share upside to infinity. Right. That's a different kind of animal. So take your time. Be really cautious. Uh, there, the opportunities for us to provide benefits to building owners um, is, is going to just skyrocket. Be cautious. Not every deal is a good deal. Uh, not every deal is an okay deal, right? So don't get enamored and, oh, my God, I, you know, I, I added 50 locations this year. Well, and, you know, 39 of them are going to close in 18 months. Don't do that. Be cautious. Uh, if you don't understand how to do it, get help. There's a, this is a very sharing industry. Um, so ask people that have done it or ask people that you met in a conference or online. There's plenty of resources. Just a little bit of caution is all I, you know, you can go crazy. In, but if, if you have a good underwriting program and you understand what you're getting into, of course, go nuts. But if you're just trying to open a location a day, uh, I just think it's doomsday is coming for you. Amazing. I love that. Thank you so much for your insights and your knowledge. I, I found it super inspirational. Um, no, but before you. we go, what is the best way for people to reach out to Mike Creel? If, if you have any offers for them or if they want, if they need some workspace or just want to follow your journey. Yeah, well, you can always check our website, launchworkplaces.com. If you need any space, uh, definitely in the D.C. or greater D.C. area or suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, me personally, I, I steer everyone to LinkedIn. Um, I, I probably made another 40 LinkedIn connections after last week's uh, co-working association summit. Um, I'm always available. Um, if I don't know answers, I can introduce you to other people in the industry, uh, building owners, operators, um, you know, there's a lot to learn. Uh, we're still pretty young in what we're doing. So um, a lot of us are very good at sharing uh, knowledge and resources and introductions. So don't be shy. Um, reach out and ask me for help. Amazing. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Dylan.